Good morning. Good morning to you, everybody online and the three of us here in this room right now. Good morning. Uh, If you are not in Salt Lake City right now, it is a major storm going on outside. Um, We are just blessed to even make it here this morning to be here, but uh, glad that we could. Thanks for uh, inviting us into your living room. Hopefully you have a a warm cup of coffee and you're sitting in your Snuggies or your blankets or whatever and and enjoying just some quiet time with, with, you know, just in your house or with your family. Uh, But thanks for for tuning in. Welcome to you if you're new, if you're the first time joining us. Welcome and hopefully next week we can be back together in person. In, in community again. Um, but for now, this works. And uh, if you'll help us out, I, I kind of want to see the, the chats be blowing up during this. I think it'd be cool to keep this a bit more relaxed, a little bit more interactive. So, you know, blow up the comment section if you're able to, if you have your phones or your tablets. Let's just interact with one another virtually over social media and, and still have somewhat form of community. I think that'd be really neat. But, um, yeah, glad I could actually be here and, and give this message to you about prayer. We're, we're as you saw the in the video, we're introducing our 21 days of prayer and fasting as a, a four-square movement. Uh, that's going to start January 9th, and so be thinking about you know what you want to fast and and what you want to be praying for. There's a lot of information online. In fact, I actually ordered yesterday our little booklet that you can get on Amazon that has the whole uh, 21 days and has our president, Randy Remington. He actually lays out certain devotionals each day. And so pretty cool. So I'll be doing that. But, you know, whatever you uh, feel impressed to to do or to be praying about, I think it'll be a really cool, special kind of intro into 2023. And what a good way to start it off, but with prayer and fasting. So I invite you to do that with us as I'll be doing it. And I know God is going to do some pretty amazing things. But uh, this morning, I want to introduce the topic of prayer a little bit, but really hit on one of the more interesting verses on prayer which I think most of us may have heard in passing from time to time and may be a little confused about what it means. But it's pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing is the title of this sermon. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means and what that looks like and, and why that's sometimes difficult to do. Pray without ceasing, kind of an interesting way when we think about it. But let me start off with a story about why communication is important. I want to start off on kind of a lighter mode here and, and make it a little bit fun. So there is a a story, this is a true story, of an old-fashioned woman. Uh, I could see my 93-year-old grandmother doing this, and she was going to go to a camping site, but she wanted to learn about the bathroom facilities at this camping site. And uh, she was of that generation that didn't want to use the word toilet, so she's like, I'm not going to use that word in my letter to the campsite manager. Um, Maybe I'll use the word bathroom commode. 
bathroom commode. And she goes, you know, I don't think I even want to use that in my letter to this campsite. I'm going to abbreviate it to BC, bathroom commode BC. And so she wrote a letter to this campsite manager asking about the BCs, the bathroom commode situation. And of course, the campsite manager receives that letter and has no idea what BC means. So he asks around, asks some people in the campsite, what do you think BC means? And nobody understands the abbreviation BC. And so in his mind, he makes the assumption that it means Baptist church. BC must mean Baptist church. And so let me read you his response to this lady about the BC, uh, the bathroom commode, but in his mind is the Baptist church. So let me just read it for you. He says, dear madam, I regret very much the delay in answering your letter, but I now take pleasure in informing, the, informing you in that the BC is located nine miles north of the campsite and is capable of seating 250 people at one time. I admit it is quite a distance away if you are in the habit of going regularly, but no doubt you will be pleased to know that a great number of people take their lunches along and make a day of it. They usually arrive early and stay late. The last time my wife and I went was six years ago, and it was so crowded we had to stand up the whole time we were there. It may interest you to know that right now there is a supper plan to raise money to buy more seats. They plan to hold the supper in the middle of the BC so everyone can watch and talk about this great event. I would like to say it pains me very much not to be able to go more regularly, but it's surely, lack, it's surely not a lack of desire on my part. As we grow older, it seems to be more and more of an effort, particularly in cold weather, very suiting for today. If you decide to come down to the campground, perhaps I could go with you the first time you go, sit with you, and introduce you to all the other folks. This is a really friendly community. Can you imagine the shock that Madame, that one must have had when she read that letter? and realized, I don't think he understands what I'm asking for. Because in his mind, he's thinking this lady means a Baptist church. In her mind, it was the bathroom facilities. And so it's pretty funny how sometimes communication can get a little skewed. And, and I think this, this story, in, most importantly, I want you to walk away with this story, is the idea that communication matters, right? Communication is important, and how we communicate is important. It matters in our day-to-day -day relationships, Without it, we have confusion and frustration. I think we all have had times in our life we can look back and go, boy, that, that was miscommunicated or that was misinterpreted, and it has caused confusions and frustration and maybe even some humor, like in this story. And communication really matters profoundly in our relationship with God, doesn't it? Communication matters profoundly in our relationship with God. Well, God doesn't misunderstand our prayers like this lady did or this guy did in the letter. I don't think he'd ever have that problem. He does desire for us to live in communication with him, doesn't he? He does desire for us to live in communication with him. And, and that really is what we call prayer, is this type of a communicative relationship with our Lord. In fact, one theologian, his name is A.B. Simpson, he said that prayer is the link that connects us with God. Prayer is the link that connects us with God. So 
when we're thinking about having a relationship with God, when we're thinking about communicating and being in relationship with him, we're thinking of the importance of communicating with him. And and being in prayer is how we link that communication. So that's a a very important thing when you think about relationships. There's there's not very many good relationships that I know that, that just don't communicate. Right? If you're not talking to one another, there's a problem. There's a major issue in the relationship. If you're not communicating well, there's a problem as well. And so what we want to talk about and as we kind of delve into prayer, as we introduce prayer going into this 21 days of fasting is how important it is to have a communicative relationship with God as it links us to him. So let's talk about the verse that we're going to be diving into today. You know, when I think of prayer, I think of maybe a family sitting around a table at dinner time. You know, as a child, I always sat around the table and we had a, a prayer before dinner. Or, or maybe someone all alone and isolated with their, their head bowed. Or, you know, you see a lot of movies where there's like prayer closets and people are kind of alone and in a prayer and solitude, which is a good thing. We should still do that. But I think prayer actually transcends that idea as well, where it's not only just this time of solitude with you and God, which again is, is important and you should do that, but it's something also that is, is more than that. It's, it's more than just getting away from the Lord, from away with the Lord and in solitude. I think there's more to that to that, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. Because First Thessalonians 5:17 has a very unique phrase. It says, and this is the longest verse you'll probably hear all year, pray continually. That's the verse. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray continually. And when you come across that, it's a little stumping because in our minds, we're thinking of the idea of coming in and, and actually speaking out prayer on our lips and, and coming into a room together and praying together or by yourself. And it's this vocal um, audio that you're giving out in this, this way of, of praying. And how do we do that unceasingly? How do we do that continuously? And that's a kind of a stumper because the word in Greek there is the word unceasing or without a gap. So Paul is saying, pray without a gap, pray unceasingly, right? And so in our, in our modern view and our way that we look about prayer, it's a little confusing. We go, how do we do that and still live our lives? Is, is Paul saying that we should be praying everywhere we go? I mean, it'd be hard to have a conversation with somebody if you're praying right to their face all the time. I, you know, if you're married, I, I highly doubt that you do that in your conversations with your, with your spouse. Are we supposed to go live like monks up in the mountains and just pray all day, every day? And that's the command that, that the Apostle Paul is giving us. You know, I, I don't think so. I think he is speaking out something deeper than just speaking a verbal prayer out loud, like we think about prayer in maybe our modern context. He is imploring more that we live in communication rather than just being in communication, right? So he is imploring that we as believers in Christ, that we live in communication rather than just being in communication. So let me break that apart a little bit. Because as followers of Jesus, we should go and be in communication with somebody. You know, you think about, you know, calling somebody on the phone, right? You, you're not always calling somebody on the phone, but the people you're in a relationship with, you text, you call, you, I FaceTime my, my parents about every day to show off my, you know, my four-month-old baby. You know, I'm, I'll be in communication with them. But what Paul is imploring us is that we live in communication with our Creator, 
that there is a place and attitude that you can approach in your walk with the Lord that actually allows you to live in communication every minute, every second, and every day with the Lord. And I think that is exceptionally special. Rather than just only being in communication, we want to live in communication. It means our prayer life doesn't turn off when we leave the prayer room or when we leave our our solitude with him. It's the prayer life doesn't end there. We don't flip the switch off when we go out of the room or out of our place of solitude or out of the car on your your ride to work. You are continuing, continuing to walk in this life of communication with your Lord. A prayer, praying continually, praying continuously or praying unceasingly is a prayer in motion. Okay, it's a prayer that is in motion. You know, you think about solitude is a kind of a, a stop, whereas we are in, in a prayer of, of moving, of walking with our Lord. And that's where I want to go next. Because there's really three ways that I think about this in, in praying continuously. It means that we walk as God walks with us. So where we go, God is walking with us in prayer. We walk relaxed. We walked with intentionality. I think people who are very good about praying continuously walk less tense, less stressed, less anxious, less burdened, less tired. I think they're walking much more confidently and relaxed. And then the last one, they walk with dependence, right? They're not walking alone. And I think these are three things that will transform a believer's walk significantly and why Paul is, is speaking about why we should pray unceasingly in our lives. So let's look at the first one. Walk as God walks with you. Walk as God walks with you. You know, this goes all the way back to the beginning of humanity's creation. Mankind's relationship of praying unceasingly goes back to Genesis 2 in the Garden of Eden. On page 2, we see this special unceasing relationship that occurs between its created humankind and its creator. Because we were created to be in relationship with him. God chose to create us to be with him. Think about that. That you were created to be with him is, is the main purpose of your existence, is to be with him, to walk with him, to live alongside his presence. Again, this is what we learn in the second page of the Bible, is that we were created to, to dwell with him in his presence for all of our existence. You know, in the New Testament, there is a, a really interesting example of this same principle being taught. And, and it's in a place that you may not always recognize it. So in Luke 23, we see the story of the, the thief on the cross, the thief on the cross. And so you wouldn't think that in that moment of, of agony or, or hurt, that Jesus would be making a significant um, saying that would kind of throw us back into what it means to pray unceasingly. Right, But when you look at the story of the thief on the cross, the thief is yelling out to Jesus, remember me, remember me when we go to your kingdom, right? And Jesus' response is today, as in like, hey, later this afternoon, you will be with me in paradise, paradise. Now, this word is is very confusing sometimes to a lot of people because they're thinking heaven, they're thinking some other place, depends who you talk to. I don't think he uses the word heaven on purpose, right? He's using the word paradise because in the ancient Near East, in the time of Jesus, paradise is actually a garden. 
So he's saying, I will see you today in the garden. So that throws us back when you're reading that. And if you were someone in Jesus' time reading that, you're going, what is he talking about that he will see me today in the garden? Wasn't the garden, you know, so many years ago, on page two of the Bible, right? We learned about the apostle John in Revelation. He talks about paradise. And then he talks about Eden in Revelation 22. And it's something way off into the future, right? So why is Jesus on the cross speaking to this thief saying, today you will be with me in the garden? Well, I think we see something significant here in the idea of the eternal presence of God. That Jesus is telling this thief on the cross that you will be with me in my presence today. That he is telling this this thief a, a very interesting principle of the kingdom of God is that where God is, his presence rests his eternal presence rests. And so we can, as, as we walk every single day, live in the eternal now of the presence of God. That Eden is in the garden is not something just, you know, in the history books or something to look forward to, is that Eden is in now in the presence of God. That where we walk, where we walk with him, we're in this place of, of a connection of prayer with the presence of God. Isn't that what prayer ultimately is? Is us connecting with God. And when we're praying unceasingly in our walk, it's as if we are walking in the garden. It's ourselves with our Lord everywhere we go. This will change the reality of your situations because it isn't this far off distance thing. It's something that when you get out of the car and you go into your office in the mornings, it's there. When you're at home and there's strife or there's trouble, it's there, right? God is never far away. And this is a reality for us that, that kind of lives in the, the spiritual underbelly of our walks. That is never far away. The eternal presence is there. We need to realize that the Garden of Eden is not merely a place, but it, we're actually seeing is, is imagery that the Bible is using to symbolize God's eternal presence now is a reality for the faithful in Jesus. When the reality of the fact that under this tumultuous waters of life, our reality is a spiritual reality of God's presence walking with us. This reality will change the way you look at your life. It will change the way that you view your walk with the Lord. When you realize that you are walking with him in every circumstance, in every situation, that your life of an attitude of, of recognizing the reality of the presence of God now here amongst us and in you as you go places changes the way you think about situations. Because it is your reality that you are praying unceasingly and continuously because you are walking with him. It is a spiritual component of the kingdom of God for those who have faith in Christ. And it does something in our minds, at least when this concept really started to take root in my life, it gave me more confidence. God was never far away. It wasn't like I had to hop on my phone and call him, hey God, like I needed to get away so that I could talk to you. No, I can talk to him right now in the situation I'm in. I can listen to what he's saying to me in the situations I'm in, and I can have the confidence knowing that he's there. So when our attitude is of unceasing prayer, our reality is, is that we're living in constant communication with him. We are acknowledging that every time we walk out the door, that God walks with us, and therefore we have the kingdom of God in power. 
You know, the image that, that comes to mind when I, I think about this, if, you know, you know me, I'm a, I like C.S. Lewis, and so I use a lot of C.S. Lewis, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe type of imagery. But I imagine, you know, young Lucy. Lucy is the, the youngest character in the, in the book when you, when you read the books, if you haven't read the books. And, and Aslan is the lion. lion the Aslan symbolizes the Lord in these books, right? And so you think about, there's a great scene in, in the Lion, the Witch, and the Roger movie where, where Lucy is there and Aslan's kind of standing behind her. And you see this very small, kind of weak-looking girl standing in front of behind her, though, is Aslan the lion, which frightens everybody in the story, right? It frightens everybody in, who, who is going against her in the book. And that's the imagery that we see in this type of walking with the Lord, is that even though on the surface we look vulnerable and fragile and, and young and weak and whatever it is. But in power of the spirit of God, we are walking confidently and empowered because we know who walks with us. And Hosea eleven ten actually captures this. It says, they shall walk after the Lord. He shall roar like a lion, right? And so even Hosea is capturing this idea of walking with this empowerment of God that is, it is, is, it is like a lion, and power and, and confidence. And I don't know many people who would be afraid if you walked into a room with a lion with you, right? You'd probably stir up some, some, you know, probably have more confidence than if you didn't walk in with the lion into a room. So I want you to understand this from this point is that where you go, when you pray and ceasingly, when you have the attitude and reality of what the spiritual underpins of this world is like, when you know you have God into God's presence with you, you can walk confidently and knowing that he is going to, to act on your behalf. And we should expect that in our walks. So walk confidently with the Lord is a perk and, and a one reason why we should pray unceasingly. The second one is we walk relaxed. Now this is probably one of the more challenging things to do. Like we like the empowerment. We like the hoorah of, yes, I walk with the lion of God, right? Hosea eleven ten. But how do we walk this out is much different. Walking with purpose and unceasing prayer challenges us in a unique and powerful way. Often prayer is something we, we do that is a, f- a forward-reaching thing, right? We're reaching for that future problem. We're, we're reaching for that answer. God, help me with this thing. Help me with this thing. Show me the way of this thing. We're, we're reaching out. But I think this idea of praying unceasingly is more of an idea of relaxing into the spirit of God, right? Rather than reaching, it's, it's relaxing into it. It's in the, the continuous now, right? It keeps you more um, thinking about the present rather than what are we going to do in the future? What is tomorrow going to look like, right? What are we worried about for next week, right? There's these things that we, we reach out for God, whereas I think unceasingly prayer helps us to stay rooted in the now and relaxing into it. I think unceasing prayer is much more about less or less reaching and grasping and more opening our hearts and minds to be filled in the present with God and the Lord. So what can stop us from walking relaxed? I think there's a lot of things that can tense us up when we walk relaxed. I mean, anybody, again, I've used this track analogy before, but anybody who's trying to race, anybody who's trying to perform well in a run, you know, when they're tense, when they're burdened, when their muscles are, are, are tight, they do not run well. They run slow. They creep along and they, they end up cramping up or pulling muscles, right? 
walking relaxed is a way that we can finish strong in our races and we can race it very well. So what tenses us up? And I think that the biggest one when I was wrestling with the Lord around what do you want me to say here in this area is, is busyness. I think that busyness is the murderer of rest. It's like the antithesis of rest is busyness. And, and we live in a time where busyness is often accoladed as, as a big important thing. Like you have to stay busy. Right? And I'm not saying go and be idle. Right? There's also, don't go that direction. But I'm saying that overwork, over busyness can often lead us to not walking relaxed. Busyness is not restful, is it? Busyness is not restful. It doesn't lead us and, and into places that are going to allow us to focus in on the, what's going, what God is doing in us now. It keeps us focused on the 10 million tasks we're trying to accomplish tomorrow. We keep reaching and grasping. When God's like, pray unceasingly is about resting and relaxing in what I am doing now. And I think one thing that busyness leads to that we have to be very wary of, and this is something that I've seen many times in my life, is when we function in a place of being busy, we, it tends to lead us very overwhelmed, doesn't it? There's just too many things to do. There's too many things I have to do. There's too many things I want to do. And it leads us being overwhelmed. And, and when we are overwhelmed, and you think about in the context of relationship in particular, which is where communication and prayer is, is in the context of relationship. When you're overwhelmed, those who you are in relationship are often, often most affected, right? So if you are overwhelmed and stressed and full of anxiety in your relationship with God, it will show. Right? Your prayer life will be affected by that. Just like if you're overwhelmed and you were overworked and you were burning out in relationships with people, the people that you are most close to will often be most affected. And so we have to be weary of this. We have to be aware of, of what am I so busy doing all the time that is leaving me overwhelmed to the point where I can't even uh, be in this place of, of walking in a place of comfort and relaxation and, and confidence with my God. Because the people around us, regardless of our intention, will often feel neglected. Our prayer life will go this way. That was the first thing that when I was functioning overwhelmed in the past was the first thing that went was my prayer life. The first thing that went was the attitude of praying unceasingly because I didn't have time for it. I was too caught up in everything I had to do in the moment. It hinders relationships with people. It hinders relationships with our, our walk with the Lord. And so we have to be weary of this and be aware of it. So in order to pray without ceasing, it would require us to be on guard against things like busyness, against things like over being overwhelmed in our walk with daily life. In fact, God does the exact opposite. He wants us to rest in him, right? He wants us to rest in him. There, there's so many verses in the Psalms and the New Testament and the Old Testament that talk about us just resting in him. And this idea of rest and prayer is very closely related, right? When you see this idea of rest and communication and relationship with our God, they are very closely related. And there's a passage in Mark 6 that always comes to mind when I think about this. And this is where it, it kind of broke in me a little bit when I was functioning in a place of being overwhelmed. It says, then, it says, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Like, even the disciples 
were so busy and so overwhelmed and caught up with so many things that they had to do that Jesus was like, you know what? Stop. We're going to go rest. We're going to go to a solitary place together and we're going to connect. Right? So praying unceasingly doesn't mean you just take out solitude. But praying unceasingly understands I have to relax into the Spirit of God. I have to relax into the eternal now that is the presence of God rather than always being caught up in the tomorrow, the next week, the overwhelming circumstances you're in now. But realize and, re- and recognize the rest that God wants to pour into your life. Because weariness and being overwhelmed will draw you away. It is a, a, almost like an addictive drug to a lot of us in our culture is this idea of just constantly being busy. But walking in the rest of an unceasing prayer makes the time for us to be able to be in the present, to have healthier relationships both within people, with our Lord, it cause for a much more healthier emotional walk, which will lead to a much healthier spiritual walk as well. So we function best in the kingdom of God when we are functioning in an unceasing prayer of continuous rest in the presence of our God. So we don't need to be overworking ourselves, over busy, overwhelmed with all the tasks, especially when we're trying to think about kingdom mindedness. It's all about relaxing in the spirit of God, resting in his presence and functioning from that location. And the last one is walk in dependence walk in dependence. So when we walk with the Lord, we recognize the reality that he is with us everywhere we go. We have that attitude that he is with us everywhere we go. We have the attitude of of walking in relaxation, walking in rest with our God. We're not caught up in all the busyness and overwhelming things of this world. We are focused on the presence of God now and what he's doing now. We are cutting out things that is too busy, that is overwhelming. We're going to focus on what God is doing in us and through us right now. And it goes into walking independence. In fact, the word faith means more than just believe. It actually has other connotations. It actually has the connotation of being dependent on something. So when you put your faith in Jesus, you're not only just saying, hey, I believe you're there, but you're also saying, I depend on you. Like I I lean in on you as the image that we see with this object. Like my kids, they depend on me to bring them food. They depend on me to provide a, a place for them to sleep. That's not even something they, they necessarily think about. And this is how our walk with the Lord should be, that we, that we depend on him for everything. As my kids depend on me as their parent, I'm depending on the Lord going, please continue to provide for us a place to sleep. Please provide for us food on our tables. Thank you, God, for all that you have provided for us. In the same way, we walk in this type of dependency with him. When we pray unceasingly, it means we're walking with the, the attitude of dependence on him. To pray unceasingly is to recognize that you are dependent on someone better, bigger than yourself. This means that as we walk our spiritual filled lives, we, we're walking with a sense of humility big time because you realize that you're not going to be able to do everything yourself. Right? So it's a bit liberating there. I find that kind of empowering and liberating to know that I don't have to carry everything by myself, that I can have this humility of knowing that God is with us, that God is with me where I'm going, and I don't have to have kind of doubts about that, and that God will do amazing things. I think that's something as, as you read about the, in the book of Acts, for example, you read about this kind of confidence that they knew God was going to do something. 
There wasn't this like, well, I really hope he shows up today. Like they were like, we're going to go and he's going to do stuff. And that's the way of praying unceasingly is that we're walking in this dependency going, I know God's going to do something. It may not be exactly how I expect it to be or how I would desire it to be, but I'm dependent on him and he's going to do the things that he does. And I have to trust that it's going to be good for me. And that's hard to do, right? That's hard to do. But when we walk in dependence and we walk in this way of, of praying unceasingly, we are in constant humility and recognition that he is for us and that he is going to take us where he wants us. When Jesus called out his disciples, he said something profoundly simple, right? Profoundly simple to his disciples. And he said, come follow me. He didn't give them huge lectures yet, right? He said, come follow me. And that's where it starts, following him. It starts with being dependent on him. When we're following somebody, it means that we're dependent on the one leading us. It also means that we're going to start being conformed to the one leading us. Especially when you look at what first century rabbis were doing. If you followed a rabbi like Jesus, you were to be and conform to his image. You were to look like him. You were to speak like him. You were to, to be, act a life that was similar to him. And his also was a life of dependence, of dependence on the father. So as we come to follow him, we are also acknowledging our fact that we are dependent upon him. This is the same calling he gives out to each one of us today. You could be sitting there in your living room right now and he's saying to you, come follow me. Stop being dependent on those other things. Stop following those other things and follow me. Start being dependent on me and trust that he can take care of you. Because you cannot walk any of the above points without walking in dependence of him. Without putting your faith in him, you cannot walk out any of the other points. You cannot walk out the reality of that he's walking with you if you don't put your faith in him. You cannot walk with, with this idea of, of, of humility and this idea of, of walking in relaxation and freedom, of resting in him if you haven't first put your faith in him. So as humans, we, and as humans, we don't do solo walks, right? You are going to be walking with something that could be all kinds of sort of, all types of sorts of companions, right? If you're not following him, you're following something, right? If you're not dependent on him, you are definitely dependent on something. What are you walking with? This could be a, a particular past. What is walking you in your particular past? Or is someone, something has been said to you or something has been done to you, or you have even done something to somebody that is your companion when you're walking. Are you dependent on those things for your identity? Are you dependent on how those things have formed you? Or are you looking to Lord Jesus as you follow him going, I want to be defined by you. I want to be conformed by you. I want to care about what you care about me, not what those other people have said about me in my past. Follow me, depend on me, and I will redefine you, he says. Things that have happened to you, again, he can take those things and completely redeem them. He can take those things and completely restore them. I mean, there's, the Bible is full of, of stories like this, that he has taken what, what other people have tried to do to people and have made them into great leaders, great rulers, people who have saved many, many lives. Like you look at the story of Joseph in Genesis, right? All the things that happened to that poor guy, tried to be killed by his brother, sold into slavery, you know, lied about, slandered, thrown into prison, forgotten about in prison, but eventually being raised up as the leader of Egypt 
and was accountable for saving how many lives? Countless lives, including his own family. God can redeem, restore all that has been done to you. When we say, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to put my faith in you and I'm going to walk with you. That is the good news, right? That is the good news that nothing in this world is going to stick. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it stings. Yeah, it it cuts deep. But God is powerful enough to completely restore, redeem, and redefine all of those things so that there'll be a testimony and witness of his goodness. And that we can be those testimonies and witnesses into the world. I think many of us are. We all have stories. We all have things that God has done that we can look back and go, wow, God did such amazing thing back then that I would have no idea where he would lead me today. You know, I don't know anybody who wants to walk with these unwelcome companions. You know, sometimes it does feel comfortable walking with these unwelcome companions like our pasts are the way that we'd even define ourselves. I mean, the world has many, I mean, ways to define yourself these days. But really, God is after this idea of walking with you, defining you, redefining you, restoring you, and redeeming your pasts. Just like he has been doing since the beginning, he has been working to redeem the creation that he created and restore it back to its original intent. So I ask you this is, do you depend on God? Do you follow him? Do you follow the Lord Jesus in a way that shows real dependence? Because in doing that, you can access this idea of praying unceasingly in the presence of the eternal now with our Lord and Jesus in a place of liberation and freedom without all of the extra burden, without all of the extra tasks, all the overwhelmingness of life and realize I have you, Lord. Why would I worry about all this other stuff? Walk in a way that prays unceasingly with the attitude and reality that God is with us. So put your dependency in Christ and realize who you walk with. Get to know him. He's a very good God. Take the opportunity to, to even just express, express everything that's going on in your heart this morning. Right? If you have to go alone and, and go yell into a pillow, whatever it is, do it. But get alone with him. Walk with him every single day. And you will see this idea of praying unceasingly transform the way you live your life. The attitude of prayer, knowing that he's always there, transform the way you think about prayer. And it becomes a lifestyle rather than something that you do on, a, on, a, on the morning or in the evening every day. So let me pray for you. And I'll often give a, if you, have a, if you want to respond online, you sure can. But let me pray for you in particular, everybody who's, who's listening to this message. Father, I don't know who's, who's out there. Lord, I don't know who, who needed to hear this, but I just pray that you will grow their, their faith in you, their dependency on you in a powerful way. Lord, I pray for those who want that, who, who are saying, I want to follow you, Lord. This is, this is a new year in 2023, and I want this year to be a year devoted to praying unceasingly in dependency of my God. So Lord, I just pray for those people in their living rooms right now. Lord, I pray that you will challenge them to, to throw off the companions that they're walking with, the, the, the constant pain and hurt, the, the trauma, the anxieties, the, all of the things that we carry with us as our companions in our walk, that we throw them off and we walk with you in full dependency, not knowing what tomorrow's going to bring. And that's okay. Lord, you said that tomorrow has its own worries. Think about today. Be in the present now, knowing that you're with them 
knowing that you're in that living room with them right now, that you're, that you're working in their mind and in their heart and you, you want a close relationship with them, that you want to walk with them everywhere they go, Lord. I pray that this truth just gets rooted into the very hearts of all who call the adventure home. But that they are a people who are living in the eternal now, not looking towards the, the years to come or looking behind the years past, but looking in the eternal now. Let this be a, a year where we are looking in the present. What are you doing now, Lord, in us? How do we relax into your presence rather than trying to grasp and reach all the time for the future? How do we relax into it? How do we find rest in you in prayer every moment of every day, knowing that you're with us, knowing that you're for us, that you're not against us, knowing that you want to, to challenge us and grow us and change us and, and move us in a way that will make us the witnesses that we need to be in the future. So I pray that over all those who are hearing this, I pray that over myself or all of us who are in the building today, Lord, I just pray that we will be a, a people of unceasing prayer. Or as we enter into this 21 days of prayer and fasting, let this be something that we, we don't just do in the morning, but let it be something we live out every single day, that we live in communication with him, not just be in communication. That we are a people of prayer unceasingly. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you for all those who are viewing. I pray you keep them safe. I pray that you continue to grow them and stretch them, challenge them in the way that they think, challenge them in the way they think about prayer and help to develop and grow them in a powerful way. And God, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us online and hopefully we'll see you next week. God bless you. Nice.